This episode is brought to you by Bumble. So you want to find someone you're compatible with, specifically someone who's ready for a serious connection, totally open to having kids in the future, is a tall rock climbing Libra, and loves rom-coms with vegan pizzas on Tuesdays just as much as you do. Bumble knows that you know exactly what's right for you. So whatever it is you're looking for, Bumble's features can help you find it. Date now on Bumble. Grey's Anatomy, the most iconic binge-worthy drama, is back, along with answers to the biggest cliffhangers. Will Teddy survive? Will Joe and Link finally find happiness together? Meredith returns along with fan faves like Arizona. You can now stream every episode of Grey's ever on Hulu and new episodes next day. Watch new episodes of Grey's Anatomy Thursdays at 9, 8 central on ABC and stream on Hulu. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Senator Chuck Grassley, the chairman of the Senate Judiciary Committee, and Senator Lindsey Graham, who's also a senior member of that same committee, are saying is that, uh, that there are some inconsistent statements that Mr. Steele made to the FBI, and they want the Justice Department to look into whether or not there was any criminal wrongdoing by potentially lying to them. He was shopping this dossier to every journalist he could find, and I think that's inappropriate for somebody who's being an informant. You're right to point out that the Republicans in Congress, especially on the House Intelligence Committee, uh, have, have made a real issue of Fusion GPS. He's a foreign agent, and he produced this dossier that has all kind of salacious things in it. Hello, and welcome to Trumpcast, the show about the very stable genius... Donald, Our president. <laughs> Donald Trump. Joining me in the studio is Virginia Heffernan. Hi, Virginia. Hi. It's been an eventful couple hours, couple days, I mean, couple weeks while I was away. We just should use it's been an eventful couple of days as the intro to every Trump cast, but this surely has. Um, <laughs> last week, Trump talked about the big button that he was going to use to wreck mankind. Uh, <laughs> and we've forgotten about that. We've forgotten about his Dr. Evil moment. Um, I know you've been uh, feeling bad for Steve Bannon about the untimely end of his career. I just worry about Steve Bannon. Um, ben Wittes on Twitter said Bannon and I were thinking alike recently when Bannon said that Don Jr. was being treasonous. I can't tell does Bannon have another card up his sleeve? So he broke with Trump by talking to Michael Wolf, and then he lost the support of the Mercers, and then Breitbart fired him. Yeah, I mean, when you get fired by Breitbart, you know— And you're Steve Bannon. <laughs> <laughs> he is Breitbart. What's Breitbart without Steve Bannon? We haven't seen more damage to Breitbart since Andrew Breitbart died. But uh, so Bannon, I think uh, one possibility, speaking of eventfulness, is Bannon should um, run Joe Arpaio for Arizona's campaign. I mean, Arpaio— Maybe that's the presidential ticket. Bannon Arpaio, <laughs> oh who challenged Trump in the primaries. Wait, we shouldn't even joke. 
Um, so, Virginia, you are wearing today a Russian matryoshka doll dress. I love that. Those are the, <laughs> le- the nesting dolls that you. And that's the classic. You don't have the like the Lenin inside Gorbachev inside Karl Marx. You have like the classic Russian doll. It's a girl on the front. I mean, we. The reason that I'm wearing this is that we talk a lot about meetings with the Russians, the Russians, the Russians, and. The Russian people, of course, should be distinguished from the Kremlin and from the FSB. And, the, you know, we were careful during the Cold War to distinguish, to say that the Russians have a wonderful heritage and Tolstoy and so on, and that their government was the one oppressing them, first and foremost. And I don't think we make that distinction now. So this is my—Putin has been— Above all, damaging to the wonderful people of Russia, whom we all love, and their nesting dolls. Well, it's a great point, and it's very appropriate because we'll be back right after the break to talk about the dossier and Glenn Simpson's Mm -hmm. testimony. Mm Wyndham Hotels and Resorts makes travel possible for all. Whether it's the long haulers looking for a great cup of coffee, a roomier rest for the on-a-wim road trippers, or a place to make summer memories with the whole family. No matter who you are, where you're going, or why, with 24 trusted brands to choose from like La Quinta, Days Inn, and Super 8, your Wyndham is waiting. Get the lowest price at WyndhamHotels.com. Restrictions apply. Visit website for more details. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. So, Virginia, we're here to talk about the transcript of Glenn Simpson's testimony in August before the Senate Judiciary Committee, which Diane Feinstein released on her own authority. How late were you up reading it? <laughs> I think it's 312 pages. I think I stayed up till 3.12 a.m. And, you know, I like symbolism. You know, Trump, we've learned from Michael Wolff, doesn't like to read. We knew he didn't like to read. He has made readers of all of us. We had to cram Fire and Fury, and now we had to cram this Simpson testimony. And, uh, yeah, I'm a little glassy-eyed this morning. How Man, about you? Man, you see the shadows under my eyes. I mean, I thought it would put me right to sleep. <laughs> and I was up for hours. It was fascinating. I th- The passive-aggressive back and forth. It, you know, with, <laughs> with some of them, with some of them, was itself a little subplot to the whole thing. I well, really my new line it. is, I'm speaking to you voluntarily. <laughs> Basically, exactly. I can walk out at any time. I don't have to answer anything yeah. you say. But Simpson was pretty forthcoming. I mean, he answered. His lawyer steered him away from a few of the questions, but he he told them pretty much what they wanted to know. Well, most of these interviews that haven't been haven't happened on camera have not been released, or we haven't seen the transcript of them before before the congressional committees. But this one, Glenn Simpson published an op-ed saying um, that his testimony, his full ten hours of testimony he believes should be released so that he could finally explain himself and be seen to explain himself before the public. This is Glenn Simpson of Fusion GPS, which commissioned a British intelligence officer to produce the Steele dossier. Uh, Chuck Grassley, who has been very critical of Fusion GPS and critical of the, the Steele dossier, 
initially said, of course, they could release the testimony and then changed his mind. And so, yeah, as you say, Dianne Feinstein took it upon herself to release it. We've seen, I mean, in the past week, Julian Assange at WikiLeaks has released released the the, uh, complete text of Michael Wolff's book. So this thing of slipping to the public you know, various relevant documents to Trump is now we have we have. Well, laid let's not compare the two things. The the WikiLeaks thing is pure copyright infringement. It's you know, true, but uh, the reason I want to I want to bring it up is that this document that, as you say, you and I spent a long time reading last night. It's three hundred plus pages. Is kind of the Lafayre Roos nerd answer to Fire and Fury. So <laughs> if you like the reality yeah. show of the White House, Fire and Fury is your book. If you really want to get in the weeds on Trump Russia. You need to read this testimony. Well, it's interesting you compare Michael Wolff and Glenn Simpson. I, I actually would put them on parallel tracks um, in in certain ways. Um, there are they are both guys I have grave doubts about, but I think lots of what they say is true. You know, uh, it's I, I think I, I think I said this on Twitter. Both documents, um, Fire and Fury, and this one people say are 70% true. How about that for false specificity? I mean, I think, and this gets to the Steele dossier being 70% true, I mean, is why can't we just check out the Steele dossier? Why can't, why do we have to sit around and speculate about Simpson's methods or what Christopher Steele's character in figuring this thing out? Why doesn't someone just go to Moscow and sort out the truth from the lies of the Steele dossier? Because that's what's at stake here. Well, I think some reporters have tried to do that. Luke Harding, the Guardian journalist who who was on the show, who, who has uh, interviewed Steele a couple of times, has tried to. It's, you know, you can't just ring up the FSB and say, you know, we just want to check some things. This is the New Yorker fact-checking department. I mean, the the penalty for people in the Russian apparat for talking to reporters mm-hmm. seems to be death. That seems to have occurred to possibly one person. Well, Steele says he wasn't a source, but someone who might have been thought to be a source, a former FSB agent, or sorry, current FSB agent, was found dead in his car. And Simpson... I think if, he's it, a former FSB agent if he's dead. But we, right, well, right, <laughs> we should enough. ask. He, whether he was former before, he was formered, I'm not sure. But um, <laughs> Simpson actually says in this, this uh, transcript we read, you know, he doesn't want to give give out names of any of Steele's sources in part because he just – or even people who work for him because his people are in this jeopardy in, in this context. Putin kills people, you know, and you can't yeah. – you and that was his main reason for not wanting it to become, become public before before it did become public. But maybe just before we get into that Definitely. a little bit, I think we just have to set a little more context here yeah. about uh, who Glenn Simpson is and what his company Fusion GPS is, you know – Glenn Simpson, I mean, unlike Michael Wolff, I think Glenn Simpson was an excellent journalist. He was a dogged reporter who was known as a digger when he was at the Wall Street Journal. And I mean, I knew him years back in in Washington. I think the problem with Glenn Simpson is he's just like a lot of people who stay in Washington too long. He got greedy and he became a hired gun and he would work for anybody. But as a journalist... And what Fusion GPS does as a company is it sort of combines methods of journalistic investigation with what private detectives or private Mm. investigators do. And he sort of does – he's professionalized opposition research for companies, for people spreading propaganda in some cases. And he says he's not political. He'll work for anybody. But the information is sound and the information is good. And I think that's probably – 
largely true. I think I mean, it certainly characterizes the 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 dossier. It wasn't it, the dossier was not created as anti-Trump propaganda. He says that Christopher Steele, who he hired, didn't know who was who was paying the piper to create it. His client, um, that is Christopher Steele's client, and Orbis, his company. This this thing, if you're really in the weeds, you don't call it the Steele dossier. You call it the Orbis report because Steele uh, contracted with other people himself to make to to make this document. Steele and Orbis saw their client as Fusion GPS. So this subcontracting thing, which they get into in this in this testimony, in the Senate testimony that, you know, is now available, I do think we need to talk about Glenn Simpson because so much of the testimony is about what this fu- what the fusion in Fusion GPS is and what its methods are. Because the whole testimony is toward either establishing the authority of the Steele dossier, you know, which goes to the case for collusion, or discrediting it. And, the, you know, the Republicans pretty clearly in the testimony are discrediting it, and the, and the Democrats are trying to give support to it. So the whole beginning is about who is this guy, Glenn Simpson, and what are his methods? Now, you, you've known him for a long time. I want to push back a tiny bit on the suggestion that he is de facto credible. The first thing is, as you say, it is incredibly hard to fact check FSB stuff. He had worked a lot on Russia, but never been to Russia, he says in the he says in the um, in the testimony. And he's a journalist journalist in the sense we saw a profile of him this week in The New York Times. He has a history of drunkenness, of silliness, of some of the some of the the Michael Wolfie kind of stuff. He scratches his stomach. He had a dog take a <laughs> shit on someone. I mean, these are like the details that the New York Times saw fit to tell us. So he's one of those, you know, and he has a there's some drunken accident that happened when he was a teenager where a friend of his died at a party. His mother was held liable for it. For You know, why are these things relevant? Because they tell you a little bit about the sort of kind of guy he was bopping around Washington. Now, his skill, unlike Michael Wolf's, was not for sitting on the scene. As I say, he never went to Russia, but for basically filing FOIAs, as far as I can tell. He loves documents. He's clear in the testimony that he has very little to do with the business operations, or at least claims to have little to do with the business business operations of Fusion. And he thought that he could take his skill for these documents to this new operation of business intelligence. So he's been criticized by Bill Browder on this show for being a lobbyist, for being a, quote, paid liar for producing propaganda. But he saw himself originally as doing business intelligence. There is a lot of money in business intelligence. I don't think he got the kind of clients he wanted to have the kind of clients that go to some of the, like, white shoe business intelligence firms and put them on retainer, companies like Google and so forth. And he ended up doing this kind of hired gun stuff. And we have no way of fact-checking whether he got things right or or not. Well, this is akin – this kind of work is akin to lobbying. It's all hired gun stuff. He didn't – in the transcript, he pointedly declines to name his clients – so on the business side, so we don't really know who he works for. But he did have this background in political journalism, and he clearly was a go-to investigator for political campaigns looking to outsource opposition research. And this started during the Republican primaries when Paul Singer, who's a New York investment banker who was very, very anti-Trump before, like every other establishment Republican going unbended knee to Trump once he became the nominee and then the president, hired him through this Washington newspaper he funds, Mm -hmm. the Washington Beacon, 
to dig up dirt on Trump. And that's the project that turned into hiring Steele and the dossier, although by that time, the Washington Beacon and Paul Singer weren't paying for it anymore. There were there was someone new paying who was on the Hillary Clinton side. But none of that seemed to be particularly relevant to Glenn Simpson or to Christopher Steele. What's interesting about it is, one, hired gone, will work for mm-hmm. Republicans, will work for Democrats, mm-hmm. will work for, for for-profit companies, work for anybody. And two, um, he's Politics is what he seems to be really good at. I mean, I don't know if he's the guy you really hire if you've got a project at the FDA that involves policy and regulatory changes. You know, the stuff you bring up is is legitimate, but it's not stuff in the testimony. So he says he doesn't obviously doesn't say he does lobbying. He does. He says he doesn't place or quash. No, I'm not saying he does lobbying. I'm saying what he does is akin to lobbying mm. is that your your loyalty is not to a party or your views or mm-hmm. or morality. Mm-hmm. It's who's going to pay your who's going to pay your fee right. and that's how he ended up working for the these Russians and being associated with all the people who were in the Trump Tower meeting yep. and how he was hired to discredit Bill Browder and the whole first 100 pages of this testimony focuses on him being challenged about what the hell you were you doing trying to discredit Bill Browder. Right. And I think he he puts up a very weak defense about that. I mean, the issue he tries to raise is though, you know, Browder was a tax exile. He he changed his residency to not have to uh, pay U.S. taxes. Mm-hmm. But Bill Browder has basically lived abroad for 20 years. He lives in London. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't, to me, that's uh, not a strong point. It doesn't discredit anything Browder says to say he, he renounced his U.S. citizenship. Now, if he were really living in the United States and somehow faking it, that would be a, that would be a good point. But Bill Browder lives in, in London. Before that, he lived in Russia. I want to get back to, uh, we can come to what to make of, if we want to, Bill Browder's house and or looks like what Glenn Simpson says is his residence in Aspen, Colorado, still part of the continental U.S., and um, his money, his stashed money in Cyprus. But I also, I want to set, figure out what the Senate wanted to figure out, which is, who Glenn Simpson works for, and is he doing, can what he does be called doing lying and propaganda? And we should expose the biases of the show. Bill Browder's been on. Both of us have read Red Notice. We are, you know, generally think that the work Glenn Simpson did in concert with Natalia Veselnitskaya, who was in that meeting, uh, the Trump Tower meeting, was opposition research and was an effort to smear him with what became a documentary. At the same time, we have reason to believe the Steele dossier. So these are two productions of Glenn Simpson, or at least in an attenuated way with the Steele dossier, um, one of which might be you know, dubious, if not malevolent, and commissioned even if in a in a in a reach way by Russians. And the other one, we believe, because he worked for Democrats and Republicans, because he used someone in Chris Steele who's credible, might be eminently credible and a pretext for the for this investigation of Trump Russia. So what do we make of these two sides of what Fusion GPS does? I don't see any contradiction in saying Glenn Simpson was wrong to try to discredit Bill Browder. It was a, it was a shitty job he shouldn't have taken, mm-hmm. and he and I think he owes Browder and a lot of people a huge apology for it. But I don't think there's any contradiction between mm-hmm. saying that and saying, look, 
the dossier is pretty credible. Nobody thinks it's 100% true, but it's not fake. It's not 100% untrue. Mm-hmm. It, it was done by probably the most credible person who could have done that kind mm-hmm. of reporting at that point. And we need to find out more about the allegations in the dossier. Mm-hmm. But the assumption should be, I mean, you have someone who's fundamentally credible, Christopher Steele, and you have someone who's fundamentally not credible, Donald Trump. Mm-hmm. Um, but Christopher Steele is not saying that 100% of what I heard and put in these memos is true. So, you know, that's our that's our reporting project. And it's, as you say, it's a very hard one because it involves a lot of a lot of facts that are kind of ungettable. I'm still uh, just a word to Rolling Stone or any place that would pay me to go to the Ritz Moscow and try to (laughs) try to sleep on that mattress and see if uh, see if like kick the tires of the steel dossier by talking to the housekeeping staff at the Moscow Ritz. I'm open for that assignment. So let's talk about the steel dossier and Christopher Steele delivering his findings on his own initiative to the FBI. So here's what here's what happened according to Glenn Simpson. Christopher Steele found all this stuff out and was so troubled because he thought Donald Trump was being blackmailed by Russia. Yeah. Uh, that he took it to the FBI and there was no that wasn't part of the job. That was I think Glenn Simpson uh it's a little unclear whether Glenn Simpson had to agree to that in advance or whether Steele just did it? It sounded like Steele just did it. Steele just did it. And he said um, I, I, he either was apprised, this is Glenn Simpson, apprised of it or di- wasn't. But he didn't – he certainly didn't give Christopher leave to do it. That was uh, Christopher Steele leave to do it. He Steele acted on his own right. initiative. I mean let's remind ourselves – Steele is not yet in the fusion business entirely. He's not fusing journalism and intelligence. He's an MI6 officer who's accustomed to thinking about national security. Now, granted, national security in the UK, but, you know, he's worried about world stability. And, you know, what I've heard people call a contaminated campaign in the campaign of Donald Trump. So he goes to the FBI. And what happens? Well, contrary to what the Republicans have been alleging, him going to the FBI is not what started the investigation into Donald Trump. They had already heard from the Australian ambassador who had had a convert run into a drunk George Papadopoulos at a bar. And Papadopoulos said, I think the Russians have compromise on Hillary. And he and maybe are going to are going to weaponize it. And the Australian ambassador went to the FBI. So when Christopher Steele came, the FBI agents and it sounded like Christopher Steele approached him through this guy in Rome. But they said this matches up with stuff we're hearing elsewhere. And that was part of why they the FBI found it credible. I mean, so, yeah. So all of the Anglosphere mobilizes to try to well, at least Australia and a UK intelligence officer mobilized to go to the FBI or at least or go to American intelligence and say, you have a problem on your hands with this campaign. We think this campaign is compromised, is contaminated, is not yet. I don't think the word collusion was being used, well, possibly by the Australian person, but but is blackmailable. And that's alarming. But why didn't it send up the kind of alarms for the FBI that uh, that Steele expected it to. Well, Steele at some point became disenchanted with the FBI's response and seemed to think that they were biased in favor of Trump and they were pressing 
hard with the Hillary email investigation and were not taking seriously the Trump investigation. And there was that weird Halloween, October 31st, New York Times story that quoted FBI sources basically wrongly kind of exonerating Trump on this. And that part of it is very murky. But I think I keep coming back to this point. Christopher Steele is is someone in this episode who did the right thing. Yeah. He thought he had evidence of Russia corrupting the election, Trump being blackmailed. He went to the authorities. What the Trump campaign people, if they had announced indecency, would have done themselves when they were approached by the Russians. And Steele, as his reward for being a stand-up guy and doing the right thing, is now subject to these calls from Republicans on the Senate Judiciary Committee to be charged or investigated, again, because they, they they think it's a contradiction in his testimony because he may have talked to a reporter and he said he didn't. It's complete nonsense. I mean, we've heard nothing at all that have, has impeached the righteousness and credibility of Christopher Steele. I think we have about Glenn Simpson, but not about Christopher Steele. Yep. And the Republicans, I mean, I think they're just behaving so atrociously, you know, and Lindsey Graham, who, who was kind of the hope of, you know, one of the very few elected Republicans in the Senate who seemed to be capable of standing up to Donald Trump and was doing it briefly has now completely caved and become the worst of the worst. And I'm, I don't know how that happened. but I don't know how he broke bad either. I, something <laughs> happened on the golf course. Lindsey Graham, after Corker said Trump belonged in adult daycare, Lindsey Graham went and played golf with Donald Trump and he went to the golf game looking like the Lindsey Graham who said it would be the beginning of the end of the Trump presidency if Trump fired Mueller. And he came out saying Trump hit a 73 in wet and windy conditions. Um, and from <laughs> then on, and see, you guys are laughing because you know that that's Tiger Woods quality. Yeah. But I didn't know that until, you know, everyone pointed that out, that he's suddenly in dear leader mode. Anyway, Lindsey Graham, leaving him aside, there is one other person uh, on the Senate and of the Republicans who has respected the dossier and Steele's work. And of course, that's John McCain. So tell me about McCain, because um, that's who Steele went to, one of the people Steele went to early on. And it seems to be McCain's office that that leaked it one way or the other. We don't, we don't know that for sure. But Simpson says he didn't. Steele says he didn't. I don't think McCain has said that, that he didn't. Um, so in terms of how it got to BuzzFeed directly or indirectly. And, and it's worth pointing out that Trump's lawyer, Michael Cohn, yes. has now filed a lawsuit against BuzzFeed and against Fusion GPS, which opens up the interesting possibility of discovery around the dossier. It seems like a pretty ill-judged so, lawsuit. Michael but Cohen, I lost my point. But the yeah. point about McCain is, yes, McCain has, has stood up more than any other senator, but he's dying. It's at the end of his career, and it's just it's it's sad. And I think also McCain has become very inconsistent, not two faced like Lindsey Graham has. But mm-hmm. I don't know that McCain is in a position right now physically to challenge Trump. He can't be the standard bearer. If uh, also if McCain um, dies, we can look forward to. Joe Arpaio, also a bugbear of this show, running for his Senate seat, which was announced yesterday in a little tributary to this story. Michael Cohn's, let's talk about Michael Cohn and BuzzFeed before we go. Michael Cohn, um, Ben Smith has an op-ed in the New York Times. He's the editor of BuzzFeed, crowing today, and I think rightly, that one year ago, 
we can make that a pretext for this show. One year ago, BuzzFeed published the Steele dossier um, very controversially because it was so-called raw intelligence. It was a tip sheet, basically, uh, you know, notes for an unfact-checked article, let's say. It was framed as such by BuzzFeed. Publishing raw documents was, as you remember, one of the initial hopes of online journalism, that one of the things we could do was give people access to original documents. I think the publication of that was a good idea because it let Americans know that there was reason for this fervor around Trump-Russia. Without that, they might have believed the New York Times. They might have believed um, they might have believed Republicans that this was some kind of witch hunt. Nobody would be able to understand what was going on without without the dossier. It'd be a dumb show. And if it hadn't been published, we would have spent the last year demanding that it would be published, and yes. everything would be about who has the dossier and who's going to leak the dossier and who's seen the dossier. And I say, let people see it and make up their own minds. It was not, as you say, published in a way that said these are true allegations. It was published in a way saying there is a document that is circulating in certain circles, which is crucial to understanding what's happening. The FBI has – the director of the FBI has informed the president about it. To me, that's an easy case for for publication. And I I think BuzzFeed, despite the sanctimony of a a lot of pompous Washington journalists, did exactly the right thing. I do, too. And jealousy, by the way. So but the reason Michael Cohen is suing uh, Cohen is suing BuzzFeed and Fusion is not because this intelligence was gathered by Christopher Steele. The only thing that bugs him is that and Trump is that it was leaked. So. You know, what is it, defamation? I mean, I think you're right to mention, even as a, in passing, that the specter of Michael Cohen saying, well, I didn't go to Prague at this right time. That was a different Michael Cohen. And that constitutes what, defamation? That they got that fact wrong. Um, it, but the specter of discovery on Michael Cohen, the Tom Hagen, Tom Hagen of the, of the <laughs> Trump syndicate, um, is, um, you know, has some people licking their chops because— um, Michael Cohen is maybe not pure as the German snow. They don't believe in a free press, and they're just trying to intimidate them. But I think BuzzFeed has, has stood up to them pretty well so far. Yeah. Let's hope they continue to. Virginia, I think we better wrap it up. I don't, I don't know how much we've illuminated this, but I think we can recommend as reading the transcript of the Glenn Simpson interview. It's strangely compelling. It really, really is. I mean, you stayed up and watched, read it on your phone, which we don't recommend, but, you know, print it out like our producer did and, and savor it. Virginia, thanks again for joining me on the show. Thanks, Jacob. That's it for today's show. Hey, have you been listening to Slow Burn, Leon Nafok's podcast about Watergate? It is such a good show. I just listened to the most recent episode about conspiracy thinking and how it came out of Watergate. The show is so relevant to what's going on right now, and it's such a fun listen. I really recommend it. Check it out at slate.com slash Watergate. And while you're at it, if you've been enjoying this podcast, please give us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. It really helps people discover the show. Today's show is produced by Jason DeLeon. As always, I'm Jacob Weisberg. Thanks for listening to Trumpcast. Cast.